Hello, welcome to the Car Stories Podcast, brought to you by the Peterson Automotive Museum. My name is Kyle Hyatt. With me, as always, my fearless co-host, James McKeon. And today we are really lucky. We have uh, your favorite car guy's favorite car guy with us, uh, Mr. Bruce Meyer. He's the founding chairman of the Peterson, uh, the Peterson Museum's board. He's a, a vice chair now. Um, he's got one of the most uh, significant collections of race cars and, and, and hot rods in the world, pretty much. And... Um, He's a really nice guy, so we're pretty, pretty excited to have him here. Very welcome. excited to have him here. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, Bruce. No, it's a real pleasure. You know, this is my home, away from home. So I've spent 25 great years working this place, and it's just such a pleasure every time I come in the door. Fantastic. And it's great running into you guys today. That's yeah. double pleasure. Well, we try. We try as best as we can. Yeah. So I guess starting off, I mean, going way, way back in the sands of time to uh, the early 90s when um, uh, Mr. and Ms. Peterson uh, were thinking of doing doing something along the lines of a museum. And uh, you really kind of helped to push them towards towards that decision. And, and could you give us a little bit of a background on, on how the Peterson got started? Sure. So Bob Peter, Peterson... Mar- Margie and Bob Peterson sure. were neighbors of mine, and we were in a group called YPO together, which is a group called Young Presidents Organization. So we were in that for many, many years, and you know we shared car stories. And, of course, for my generation, I grew up on Boy's Life, which was a scouting magazine mm-hmm. in the 40s you know, and the 50s, and Hot Rod magazine. So you know, when I first met Pete, it was a real joy. Truth is, I mean, Pete's real love were hunting and fishing and guns and and sporting, not so much cars. You know, he actually worked for one of the studios, Paramount, I believe, as a PR person. Oh, I didn't know that. So he went out and covered the first, like, Dry Lakes event and came back and they did a little newsletter and it kind of morphed, you know, over the years into Hot Rod Magazine. So it started with that. I mean, he was really a photographer and a reporter first. Um, and, and his father had a garage in Barstow. Um, so he knew cars. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a car guy, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he was way more balanced than I am. Sure. <laughs> so he liked, he liked cars and planes and boats and, and shooting and, you know, all the manly sports. Mm-hmm. So he was a great friend. And so both of us, we're on the board of the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles, which is a fabulous museum sure. down by the Coliseum. It's a beautiful museum. Fabulous. So we were on that board for a number of years together. And Pete also had a love for real estate. And he loved a bargain. Mm-hmm. I was in the real estate world, but I was more into um you know, buying location, location, and you know, I, I, I guess I wasn't quite, a, quite as much a bargain hunter, but I, we both kind of shared that love for, for buying underutilized buildings and and rehabbing them. Mm-hmm. Cool. And he came across this building, which he thought would make a fine car museum, and so that was discussed, and it was brought to the Natural History Museum because Pete had put together. a a museum in Hollywood that was more hot rod, more George Barris and drag racing. It was okay. It was up on Hollywood Boulevard. In fact, Tony Nancy did a burnout and I guess broke windows along the street <laughs> in his top fuel dragster. So Pete, Pete, his tastes were really more for the exotic, mm-hmm. and and that museum didn't last very long uh, for any number of reasons. 
So he was kind of out of doing a museum himself. And so that's why we chatted about it. He came to the Natural History Museum, proposed this building, said he would, you know, get financially involved. Of course, everybody looked at me when they said cars, you know, which they still do today, <laughs> thankfully. Sure. And and so I was kind of the guy that, uh, you know, was the ombudsman between Bob Peterson and putting this deal together. Okay. Um, some of the members of the Natural History Museum were, as you would imagine, very well connected in the community. And there was a tour company called Gray Line Tours. I don't sure. know. I don't know if they're still in business today or I not. Think so that that name, the, I think I've seen ring a bell. It was, around. you know, it was the Hollywood Stars homes and all that before the double decker buses, you sure. know, and that type of thing and sure. the open vans. So they were the tour company, and they, you know, through negotiations, decided to make this their headquarters. <laughs> so the Natural History Museum and their wisdom started doing this extraordinary math, knowing that the number of people that the Gray Line tour escorted around L.A. They'd all be coming here. They'll want to go to the museum. They came up with a figure that there would be a million people through here a year. Wow. So they thought at $10 a head, a million dollars, like that's real money. We're going to make money on this deal. So the Natural History Museum came into this with the idea of making money. This was this was not in their DNA. This no. was not in their mission statement. They were, you know, it was for them, it was a pure business deal. Which is kind of anathema to... So many museums. I mean, making money that never that never that happens. happens. No, that in the museum world, that's no. It's very very pretty rare. extraordinary. Yeah. So, anyways, it didn't take long, and and the cultures were like oil and water, like La Brea tar pits and water. <laughs> sure. And it, we didn't get along at any level, at any level, and and of course, before we even opened, Gray Line went bankrupt, and they pulled out of the deal. Okay. So. You know, I think on our best year, we might have had 125, 130,000 people through here. Hmm. And it just was not working. The good news was the real estate was appreciating. So the Natural History Museum thought, you know what, we've, we've endured enough pain. Let's sell the building. They had a lot of buyers for this. This is one whole complete city block yeah. with parking for almost anything you want to put here. So the real estate, you know, brokers were just, knocking down the doors of the Natural History Museum uh, to buy this building. And uh, that was going to be their tag. Well, you know, for me, after putting in, you know, I was chairman for the like the first 10 years. Yeah. And having put so much into this building and so much into the checkered flag and so much into, you know, what I love, I just wasn't about to let them sell this building off. So I kind of brokered a deal with the Natural History Museum and Bob Peterson to buy the building and take us private. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. So I was in the middle of the first coming and the second coming. <laughs> and, and um, you know, just purely out of passion. Sure. And, I, of course, in the first coming, I underwrote a gallery. And then when I when I came around again, you know, this last go-around, I underwrote another gallery. So I have many, many hours and many, many dollars invested here, and it's been a great investment for me because it's just brought such joy to so many people. Sure, sure. And I think it's it's really interesting, too, is that, you know, it's kind of tied to to who you are as almost a, a brand. Like, you guys are, you know, you and the Peterson are very synonymous. Linked and yeah, together, would say. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, the CF200, uh, the checkered flag 200, um, which, you know, for those of you who are not 
familiar with uh, the Peterson's membership program. Uh, the Checker Flag 200 is a club that was started by Bruce. Uh, it's the highest level of membership uh, at the Peterson, but more than that, it's it's a it's a car club in kind of the truest sense. Um, the people that that become members are really kind of fanatical about it. Um, you know, you, you go to any car event in LA, you're going to see some some CF two hundred Letterman jackets. You know, and and the the membership list, which is now significantly more than two hundred that was originally envisioned, uh, is you know it's kind of a who's who of, of of car enthusiasts in Los Angeles. Could you give us some more information on kind of how you you, you came about starting it? Sure. So. Um... Actually, tonight at the museum, we have a group called the Blue Ribbon of the Music Center. Hmm. And, and, and the Dorothy Chandler, Chandler Pavilion, when it was built, the Music Center downtown, they put together a group of extraordinary women that really were the heart and soul of the Music Center. And they are here tonight. There's 150 of them here oh, tonight. Fantastic. So, and my wife was a member of that and many of our friends. So we're now, you know, go back 25 years we're putting together this museum. There is not a single car person involved at any level other than the curatorial staff, Leslie Kendall, who's still with us today, and a few other people mm-hmm. that, that put the original museum together. But there was, there was not a single enthusiast other than me at the time. So I figured, you know, I got to get some of my homies together, you know, and sure. we got to put together a group of enthusiasts. So I started hosting lunches here when this – it was a demolished building. I mean, it looked like it had been bombed. Oh, yeah. And I rented tables and chairs and went to Subway, and we started hosting lunches. And I had Carol Shelby and Dan Gurney and Parnelli Jones and Wally Parks and Alex Exidius. All the, all my buddies were here, and I said, look at guys. Right where we're sitting now is going to be a new museum, you know, celebrating – Los Angeles and the automobile and celebrating cars. And you have to be a part of this. And, 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 uh, that's the way it started. And then I realized, you know, I better put together a group. So I thought, you know, I'm going to do this group. We'll call it the checkered flag 200. I'm going to get 200 people mm-hmm. that will give us a thousand dollars a year and join this group. And a couple of my good buddies said, Bruce, great idea. It'll never work. He said, just to save yourself the embarrassment, you better call it the checkered flag 100 because you'll never get 200 people. And on top of that, you'll never get them to give $1,000 a year. You know, they could see like hopping in for a thou and, sure. and enjoying it. And I said, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to get to 200 and it's going to be $1,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And my core best buddies joined and we were going to, we were going to keep it to 200. <clears throat> and it wasn't even easy getting to 200. But I, it, it, if you look at the founding members, I mean, they were, you know, it was Shelby and Hill and Phil Hill. And it, we, I mean, I got these guys to cough up a thou, mm-hmm. including my banker and a guy that had painted a building for me, <laughs> my gardener, any, anybody Anyone that would, that you could. anybody that, I, that would just make eye contact. I got a thousand bucks for them, gave them sure. a letterman's jacket and said, you're a member. Sure. So, so we did hit the 200. And, and into the delight of all those that were there. And so then we decided we were going to hold it at 200. Well, then people started saying, I want to join this group. And we thought, you know, we'll wait till somebody matriculates off. We'll wait till my accountant goes off or mm-hmm. somebody, you know. And we tried to hold it that way for about six months and we had more people wanting to join. And so we decided to heck with it. We're going to open it up. And, and now we have 550 members. It's $1,500 a year. And, you know, the other night we had our gala here, 
and I would say, you know, a third of the gala were members. So oh, yeah. that group impacts this museum at a couple million bucks a year. Easy. Sure. But more importantly, it's the heart and soul of the museum. I mean, mm-hmm. these are real enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. So you ask, how do you keep them coming back year after year? So we have a very active board of, again, pals of mine, enthusiasts, and we plan an event every month. And these are events that people just can't believe they're doing. Yeah. I mean, they're special events. We went back this last month to Rick Hendricks and Charlotte mm-hmm. and Papa Rick Hendrick himself spent two hours with us telling his life history, gave us a tour of his collection. You know, Parnelli Jones, when he put his stuff together, Dan Gurney. We've we've gone to everybody's home mm-hmm. and garage and up close and personal and heard their stories. So we, every every month we do an extraordinary event. Uh, and we're so lucky that so many of our members have very private collections in garages. True, yeah. I mean, you know, Sidoric and Dr. Ron Bustatel, who's head of, you know, surgery at uh, head physician at UCLA. I mean, we've got mm-hmm. our our group is a who's who. And I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 the good thing about our group is, it's not an elitist group. Not everybody in there even has a car. It makes no difference to us. True. To, you know, some people just scrape that money together to keep keep that membership going and nobody's complaining and it's a great group so to whomever's listening out there that wants to get involved we we welcome you and i guarantee you will be an extraordinary experience and we as i say we visit collections we have events here at the at the peterson adam carolla just did a movie on uh on the on lamont he also did one uh, before this on... Um, Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Thank you very much. Movie. And And they all invite the Checkered Flag 200. So these mm-hmm. are the perks. When we go to Pebble Beach, you know, we get special this and that. Sure. So it's it's that kind of a group that people welcome. And, it's, and as I say, it's not an elitist group. No, that's, I, I've been to a, a number of events with... And they're all CF- very enjoyable events. Yeah, the thing that, that, you know, again, saying that that really separates it from you know, other membership groups or even car clubs is that everybody that joins is a real serious enthusiast and um there's also a great magazine that comes with membership right which, finish which, uh, line thank yeah, you yeah which uh i've contributed to a few times no big deal no, kyle you've been a great contributor <laughs> no i and i appreciate that too oh. the uh well the other thing too is that it's, it's an interesting group of people because you mentioned people like you know pernelli jones or 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 dan gurney or uh, david sidoric or you know these people but it, there's also some younger people that are a member you know that are members of the cf200 um which is, I think, is really cool, and it's it's a really exciting. There's a, a lot of exciting stuff going on in in the group, and really, the fifteen hundred bucks is it's not much, and everyone's so friendly. Yeah, so yeah. friendly. Do you know one nice. of the things I love when we when we entertain, we have dinners and lunches, and we mm-hmm. set out tables for, you know, I'd say our our events are anywhere from probably seventy five people to two hundred people, something mm-hmm. like that, and and I I'm a member of many other clubs. And when you go to events with the other clubs, you know, and they have a setup for lunch or dinner, I mean, there's a group that go in there and turn over their napkins and chairs and, you know, because this is like their little fiefdom and their little clique, you know. No, none of that in the checkered flag. When we walk into a dining room, one table fills up, the next table fills up, the next table fills up. Nobody, it's not one of these, You, in fact, you, you almost welcome sitting next to somebody you didn't know Mm because I can guarantee you this person's going to be fun. Sure. And we have motorcycle racers, Skip Van Leeuwen, world class. We've got, you know, Tommy Sparks was a world champion bicycle racer. We, you know, we, we, we just appeal to anybody that, first of all, you got to be a people person. Yeah. If you're a recluse, 
Yeah, it probably isn't the group for you. But it's not like you have to get up and give a speech in front of a group. Mm-hmm. But if you don't like hanging out with people and you like sitting in the dark watching <laughs> your, 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 your video screen or your, t- your computer screen, this is probably not for you. But if you like getting out and really mixing up with a really entertaining, fun group, that's us. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, you're a member of a, of a number of other groups and clubs. Uh, you're also a member of uh, the board of many institutions. Um, very recently, you were appointed to the board of the Henry Ford Museum in Michigan. Um, we uh, we recently had Peter Mullen on the podcast. You're a, a board member of, of his museum, the Mullen Museum in Oxnard. Um, what do you kind of what do you enjoy about about guiding an institution from that capacity? Because it, it seems to be something you do quite a bit of do you know i think um my i think like with the henry ford museum i'm one of the just a few a few non-family members mm-hmm. henry ford is on it edsville ford bill ford all the, they're all fords really and just a, a sprinkling just a few non-ford family members which i am and um i think it, whatever my, i don't think my talent is so much in mechanical parts because i can't you know i i'm not that good there sure um and and financial like sitting there and looking at balance sheets that's not for me either but what i like to do is go out and raise enthusiasm and be kind of a cheerleader for the hobby i think that's my gift mm-hmm. so at the henry ford museum i think that's probably what they brought me on is cuz i you know henry ford is a member of the checkered flag um and edsel and henry have been to some of our events we went to lamar this year and they, i think they've seen what what um Maybe maybe I can help them do you know in raising awareness mm-hmm. and um, not so much you know deciding if if it needs a new coat of paint or we should you know in the financial stuff I just don't like to be dealt I don't have I don't want to deal with that yeah sure so I think they I think they just kind of brought me on as an enthusiast and and I'm also on the board of the Nethercut Museum. So mm-hmm. I, I think I'm on the board of, and the, I'm on the steering committee for LeMay and the steering committee for Pebble Beach. So I, I think that, um, uh, I think I've helped those institutions, you know, just kind of bring awareness. And that's what I love to do. I mean, I, I love cars. Mm-hmm. I love to race. I love all about that. But at the end of the day, this whole hobby is about people. And you know the three of us could sit in here and talk till tomorrow. When there not a car in the room, sure, but we have that love of the automobile just in common. And it's just the it's all about the people, mm-hmm. and it's the most interesting group. So tonight here at the Peterson Automotive Museum, uh, I'm hosting a group for the the music center. Mm-hmm. And so they said, well, you know, we'll take a tour of the vault and so forth and so on. I said, that's great. I said, and here's what else we'll do. I said, I will bring in the leading wine expert, Christian Navarro, who has Wally's Wines. Mm-hmm. I'll bring in an auctioneer, David Gooding. Um, Jerry Cole, who has a company called Brighton, great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He collects Stradivarius violins. Wow. Um, Andrea Fujinski's head of Sotheby's. And we're going to have a panel on collecting. And I don't care if it's fine French wine or two-buck chuck. Sure. Or, or you know, prints or paintings. You know, we're going to discuss the passion that goes into collecting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think people that collect, whether it's, you know, artwork or wine, you know, it, it kind of brings the best out of people. Now, I obviously prefer cars more oh. than any of the others. Yeah. Because it was so funny. I, I, I was uh, with a friend of mine and I got an invitation. One of the leading art galleries is uh, 
the Bergrun Art Gallery in San, San Francisco. So mm-hmm. they were celebrating their 50th anniversary, and John Bergrun sent me an invitation. And on the cover it was a Rothko painting. A Rothko painting looks like that screen right behind you, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. It has about as much interest for me. It's like squares on top of squares. Yeah. I mean, you did a nice job of putting the colors together. Sure. I think I could do it myself, but I, I wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't want to try it. I wouldn't want to try it, but if I knew I could sell it for $50 million, You'd I'd give it a try. Real, I'd yeah. give it a whirl. You'd give it a shot. <laughs> so I look at that, and I say, oh, my God, you know, that's a $50 million painting. Because so I called him. I said, what does that sell for? And he said, that's probably, you know, he, he said 40 to $50 million. Sure. So I think, well, now you get the art people together. Now, I think a lot of it is going to people's homes that have the collections. Mm-hmm. But I thought, wouldn't it be fun to invite people over and everybody bring their favorite painting? Can you imagine that? <laughs> you walk in the door and you've got your Rothko and people. And, I, you know, it's I don't know. I, I'm really mocking the the, the art people. But yeah. I, I just don't see the you – know, I, I, there's just not a lot you can do with a painting. Yeah. You can lend it to museums and let people enjoy it. Sure. But you can't take a trip or carry it around and share it nationwide so sure. easy you know mm-hmm. and i just think that's what's so wonderful about the car hobbies you can you can take them out you don't even have you know you can even take someone with you in the car yeah sometimes. and i i can i guess i can imagine what a conversation like if the three of us were art people mm-hmm. and we're talking about the passion of rothko or we could talk about maybe the history of picasso or I guess there's a lot to learn there and a lot to understand, but certainly, certainly. It's, it, it. I just think the car thing just has so has so many more dynamics. Sure. sure. Well, you know, when when they get a Mark Rothko painting that sounds like uh, like your nine thirty five, yeah, be a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Give me a call yeah. when you got that. Yeah. <laughs> Great, Kyle. Uh, sort of as, as a kind of a, a segue into that. You talk about how you know collecting is really important. You've organized this event tonight. The way that you collect seems to be so different than the way that. So many other people collect like somebody will a lot of people say, well, I love this, this thing or this brand. So I'm going to collect everything from this brand or, you know, I like this, this, this era. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like so I'm going to collect, um, you know, Peter Mullins, a great example. He's like, well, I love French cars from the Art Deco period. So that's what I'm going to collect. And then he goes and he does it and he builds this incredible, beautiful collection. But you're very different. You you don't have stuff from a specific era. You tend to just collect the best of something or the thing that has the most interesting story or the most historically significant version of whatever it is. So I talked about your 935, and that was that's a Krimmer Brothers car. That's the last production car to ever win Le Mans. Probably is the last production car to ever that ever will, will. win Le Mans. Um, and, you know, it has an amazing history with amazing owners. Or your Shelby Cobra, which is CSX 2001. So it's the first one, you know, that kind of thing. How did you come to, to 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 collect things in this way, or how do you decide like what like that's worth my time and money? Like sure. that's that's worth finding. Yep. Well, um, I I would say part of it is just being in the right place in the right time, finding mm-hmm. the right cars. But I've always liked cars that have a story to tell, whether it's famous owners, or an achievement of the car, or a, or a seminal car to a particular era. Mm-hmm. Um. I do not think of myself as a collector. Sure. I think of myself as an enthusiast. So uh, somebody walked in my garage not long ago, and they said, you know, the same thing you did. I mean, you know, like connect these dots. You know, I mean, how do you mm-hmm. how do you go from a twin-engine Triumph drag bike to, uh, you know, uh, an, a 29-step hydroplane to the Kremer 
mm-hmm. you know, 935. I said, it's easy. I just buy the stuff that Bruce likes. And that's kind of always what it boils down to. I mean, I, I've never bought for, because I think it's popular. Mm-hmm. I would say I've only sold a few cars in my life. And I bought a, I've probably bought a couple cars to sell because I thought, you know, this is an opportunistic buy. Mm-hmm. Whenever I have done that, I have lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have not, I, I just, you know, I, it's just not for me. So I just buy the best that I can. I buy what I like because if, if, you know, a going, you know, it's, if it's worth, I, I, I bought my first old car was a going in 1964. I mm-hmm. bought a going. I paid $4,000 for it. Now, going almost got to $2 million and maybe one did hit too. Sure. But I, that's one of my favorite cars of all time. So if that going is worth $2 million or it's worth 20000 I love it just the same. So yeah. if you buy what you like and you love looking at it and you don't get tempted to sell or, or, or depressed when the market falls down a little bit, like we're going through a little, you know, mm-hmm. I think an adjustment now in some ways in some sure. of these cars. A correction, as they like to say. Correction. <laughs> you know, um, then I think you're, you're good. And as I always tell people, buy what you like. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes, and that's what I've always done. And I particularly like the stuff that is unique in some way or another. Sure. And I, I think, you know, when you talk about being an enthusiast, you know, one of the things that I think that that really is exemplified by is the fact that you drive your cars. You know, so many people have, I mean, it's fair to say that most of the cars in your collection are priceless or thereabouts. I mean, you know, how do you put a value on the stories behind them as well? Well, somebody obviously did because you had to buy it at some point. But I mean, you know, like, how do you put a value on that story? But that doesn't stop you from taking out the very first Cobra and then driving the, driving the, you know, (laughs) driving, driving it like crazy. Like you don't you don't take it easy. I think I've been on a couple of different rallies where you've been in cars, like um, a Petrolicious rally a couple of years ago when you were driving your your 300 SL Roadster, and I, I thought there's no way that car is going to survive the rally. He's <laughs> he's just really putting the wood to he's it. Just living by his motto. That's true. Never lift. That's Never right. lift. It's a hell of a motto. So so and it's good I advice do... if you drive a Porsche too. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 um. I mean, for me, the drive is what really cranks me up now. Last weekend was the Art Center School. Mm-hmm. And what gets me more excited than anything is just driving a car out there. I love the drive. We 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 uh, took our Testarossa two years to Pebble Beach, and I drove it home. Wow. And, you know, it's just the drive. I just, you know, I get so excited. Um, you know, and that's what it's all about. <clears throat> and... um most of my cars are fun to drive. Sure. So we have the ex- Bugatti exhibit over here, and I drove it over, and people said, you, you drove that car here? Are you kidding me? I've driven it, you know, thousands of miles. Mm-hmm. You know, I love driving it. So I, I, for me, it is the drive. Sure. Well, and it's not like, you know, if you drive a your, your Bugatti across town, like a few extra miles going to kill the value anyway. That car is always going to be, you know, a certain... So you may as well just enjoy it. The only, the only like awful thing, like some of these cars, I, I've tried to collect the best, you know, best of the best. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, the, having an original chassis, original body, original engine, uh, in, in many of these cars is really important. Of course. If you get into a hideous accident, almost any car can be rebuilt mm-hmm. to exactly the way as it was before. But then, it, 
you get kind of a diminution of value where it, like the people, well, that sure. was cool. That was, you know, well, half the body's new and the chassis, you know, so I try and stay away from cars like that. And I try not to get in situations where I, sure. you know, I try and, I, I try and be careful. I, I've ridden motorcycles my whole life. Mm-hmm. I think, I think there's no better training for a good driver than to drive a motorcycle. That, that's, the awareness, I think, would be... 100%. Yeah. It's all about who's in front of you and behind you. And and I always find it's better to be in front, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of helped. So, you know, I... You know, that's... I think that's... And I, and, and I, if I, I can't be worried about th- that. Sure. You know, we've taken cars... Every year we go on the Colorado Grand, and we've taken some important cars in that. And, you know, you just drive them and... Well, that's what they're meant to meant to, to do. That's what they're yeah. there for. And I pray every day. Well, of course, <laughs> that's important. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, why would I? So, most of your collection is basically, obviously, it's uh, U.S. based cars and some European. We've got obviously a couple of European cars in there as well. But then the same goes to the bikes. But what about into other areas? Have you ever thought about in going into theirs, like maybe some cars from, say, Japan or anything like that? You know, it's interesting because I think that, that that buying Japanese cars now is really probably a really smart thing. Um, I, I'd say buy supercars and buy and and buy some Japanese cars because you know that's the future. I I didn't live in that period and I didn't own them when they were new and I mm-hmm. never really lusted after them. I, I always liked that Toyota two thousand. I thought sure. it was really a cool thing. Um, but uh, you know, for somebody out there that's Thinking about, it, I mean, a 240Z or some of the some of the Mazdas are just great cars. Fantastic. Cars. I, I think. I mean, I think that's a wonderful direction. Mm-hmm. And then, what about uh, the modern cars now? Is there any of the modern cars that you see that come out that when you go to all these shows that catch your eyes that you're like, "Oh, I'm quite impressed by that." So, I think they're knockout. You know that Pagani and the, oh yeah, oh my god, the workmanship just, is unbelievable. Just spectacular. So, last year at Pebble Beach. I'm at the Gooding auction Sunday night. I'd been just like flat out for like a week. There wasn't (laughs) much left of me. I was pretty tired. I'm there with a friend of mine, uh, Bruce Canapa, who's a a real driver, a pro. Yeah, he he doesn't take it easy. Ever he on doesn't the even know how to take it. I don't think he's got. I don't think stops in his vocabulary or slow down. (laughs) I should say. Yeah. So he had just gotten his new P. P1. What's the new hot? Oh, yeah, the McLaren, McLaren P1. P1. McLaren yeah. P1. Mm-hmm. And my wife, I'd burned my wife out, you know, at the auction. She <laughs> said, you know, I think I'm going to go back home. And there was somebody that would go back with her. And I said, great, I'll just see you later. And Bruce says, I'll, I'll drive you home. So at about 10 o'clock at night, he took me down the 17-mile drive. I, I couldn't even think as fast <laughs> as he was driving. It was like... I all I could I, w- I wasn't terrified because I'm really confident with his driving, but all I could think about is I'm too old for this now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I and I I'm 75 years old. I I after I hit 70, you know, started losing hair. I started, you know, you know when you get up in the morning, you sleep on your arm wrong. You know, you just used to do like a windmill with your arm and it sets sure. it right back up. Now it's like by Wednesday, you know, I'm I'm able to lift it up. You, you feel know, a little better. Yeah, you feel a little better. So I realize that my reactions are not what they used to be, and these new cars are so fabulous, so capable, mm-hmm. and so I, they offered me an, a, a LaFerrari, and my son says, "Are you kidding? You're not going to get?" It. I said, 
I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah. I would never drive it. So I let that go. I let the P1 go. But I did put in my order and was accepted for the new Ford GT. Oh, okay. okay. So, That'll be a good one. So that one, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm going to be like the slowest guy out there. Well, sure. But I'm going to drive it respectfully. But, um, so getting into the new cars, I just, the nice thing about that little Cobra is zero to 60 in that car, which takes about half a block, mm-hmm. is really fun. And it's, it makes a lot of noise. A and lot I'm of noise. A, and I'm a hot rider in a motorcycle. Of course. Guy, so noise is my friend. And if I, interestingly enough, Bugatti gave me a Veyron when they first came out for a week. <clears throat> I'm telling you, that thing accelerated so fast it made me dizzy. So oh, yeah. out in front of our house in a residential neighborhood, my son was giving joy rides to all of his friends. <laughs> well, that's and, what and, you got to do. Yeah. Sure. And the police chief. Well, of course. Because and, you got to get him And involved. everybody. Oh, yeah. He, he still talks about it. Well, yeah. so, so, so in front, right in front of our house, if you, you know, we're like four houses from the corner of a city block. Mm-hmm. He was going a tick over a hundred. <laughs> now, in my Cobra, I'd be probably doing a tick over 60. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get into that zone, the the triple digit speeds, stuff can happen. Oh, yeah. Stuff that's out of your control. I don't mean something breaking on the car, but mm-hmm. but a ball bouncing maybe a, a ball, anything. And I just think that for me, I'm way more comfortable. I'd rather drive a slow car fast. I agree. You know, than get in one of these cars mm-hmm. and just that new Porsche Turbo S. It's like a Honda. Mm-hmm. You put your foot into it, and it just rocket ship it's yeah it's i mean it it i don't understand how they've managed or who they who they have that can break the laws of physics there but they they need to hold the, the was it zero to 60 in like under three seconds for that that Crazy. car it's just who needs it no i have a 96 turbo air cool yeah and and that's probably zero to 60 in four and a half seconds or something i mean in, sure. the, in the old days when mm-hmm. i was growing up the benchmark was 300 horsepower yeah that was big stuff and a f- and really a six second zero to sixty. And then I kind of got used to the five second. Sure. Now my wife drives a C sixty three, which is a little four door Mercedes mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. ridiculous engine. Yep. C sixty three S. Of course, we had to get the S. Of course, because my son ordered the, it for me. There are appearances yeah. to keep up. Yeah. You know, yeah. You got to make sure you get that. That's right. The sports and, package. And she yeah. loves it. I mean, I can tell when she's coming and going just from because <laughs> you can hear. Yeah. You're gonna hear it down the street. But that's a you know sub four second car. Oh yeah. Your mother could be driving a sub for, are you kidding me? My mother, I mean. I hope for everybody's sake in the state of Washington that she's not. Just, <laughs> well, I hope she, if she is driving that four second car, she's at least listening to the podcast, Kyle. That's yeah, the important thing. That is the important thing. But yeah, no, it is, the new cars are just, yeah, it's crazy. You know, and you don't get it, you don't really get the, that long pull sensation that you used to get, you know, with a slow car, it's, it's like, you know, it's a gear and you're in a gear for a second. You get a chance to appreciate it. Yeah. Now it's it's always, it's almost like instant power these days. Yeah. When the car, it's just, it's instant instant speed, Mm -hmm. instant stop. Everything's just instant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's why people are so like, why the, I mean, why the values on old 911s went up so much is because, that's a car where you get in it. It's a. They're not a. It's not a fast car. It certainly, it's not a fast <laughs> car, but it's an enjoyable car to yeah. drive. Yeah, I mean, it rewards you for for good good behavior and, and and good habits. It punishes you for having bad ones, and you can just enjoy it. And it's hundred percent. It's a pure thing. But now, you know, everything's there's six hundred computers between you and what's going on at the wheels. That's right. 
So, and there, like you, well, you just said it. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't repair that car in your garage. It's got to be plugged into the Porsche. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, or the, the Mercedes yep. or the mm-hmm. whatever you're driving. Even the Mustang. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Bruce, what a with you talk about driving? Which are some of the roads around here that you like to go spend the time on? Well, there aren't a lot of roads you can really, you know, do proper justice to the cars. I would say most of the roads that we drive in that we enjoy are in the Mulholland area. Sure. And and you've got to pick your times out there because there's just crazies out there, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, Sunday mornings on the bikes. Oh, that's bad. And and Angela's Crest again, you know. So I guess, you know, now I'm in my cruiser mode. So I can enjoy the PCH. Mm Mm-hmm. I I do the different rallies, the California Millie, Copper State, and the Colorado Grand. I do those, mm-hmm. and and that's where I go to really enjoy the roads. Sure. And you're with a group that enjoy it w- to enjoy it with, sure. you know. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's not like I say, well, if you get out to Mulholland and yeah, lost something or other Dunes Road, it, you know, and yeah. I, don't, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I used to be a little crazier, but but now it's more the rallies when you get yeah, to yeah. I, I just yeah, all right, sure. And then when you talk about the rallies, what about some of the events that you tend to go to throughout the year? Which are the ones the highlights you've been for you in 2016? Well, this 2016 was a real busy year. I, I start off with a retromobile in in France, which is a really interesting show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a bit of a excursion getting there. Obviously, Paris is a ways away, but I enjoy that because that's very international. Um, and then there's the California Millie. We did that this year. And the Copper State. I didn't do the Copper State this year, but I, I'll try and do it next year. And the nice thing about the Copper State is that they'll take cars up to 73. And they'll, I mean, I think they had a, like a Pontiac GTO on it. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and you could take a Ferrari Daytona. I mean, it's a very, it benefits the Men's Arts Council at the Phoenix Art Museum. So they're more interested in getting people. So, you know, again, you know, I've I've done it in my GT350 Mustang, um, and it's just fun being with car people that enjoy mm-hmm. the road. And there's every imaginable kind of car on it. And the Colorado Grand is a little pickier. That's in Colorado. That's in September. We've done that. Obviously, I I and by the way, I go to the auctions. I go for the you know it used to be you know like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday auction deal. Sure. Now I go for like the week. Okay, <laughs> crazy. You know. <clears throat> It's a, it, and it happens right during my wife's birthday. <laughs> I bet she's so, happy she enjoys that one. Oh boy. So she doesn't go. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that's always cost me a little extra, you know. Sure. 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 But uh, I enjoy the auctions. I think it, it's one of the best car shows in the world. They mm-hmm. have one of everything there and you kind of get a feeling for the value and the enthusiasts are there and there's a lot of fun dinners and so forth. So I, I enjoy that. And, um, you know, at our gala, we had, uh, Shelby Myers, you know, RM. Mm-hmm. We had David Gooding and Craig Jackson all here. And those are the uh, those are great auctions. And so you've got all those and you've got Bonhams and Russo and Steel, you know, in in, in uh, January. So I really enjoy that. Oh, yeah. And then I like the Grand National Roadster Show. That's in January. Because mm-hmm. um, I really love hot rodders and hot rods. Yeah. That actually kind of ties into what I wanted to talk about next, which is... You, probably more than anybody, I think it's fair to say, kind of helped to legitimize the hot rod to collectors in a way that that maybe it hadn't been before. Um, specifically, I mean, you you have cars like um, the the Pearson Brothers Coupe or the uh, the Doan Spencer Roadster. Um, 
and and for a long time hot rods were just these like chopped up old cars that that you know weird old guys built in their garage uh but you know through your efforts in getting them accepted to pebble beach every other year and stuff they've they've become this it's, it's, it's you know it's a serious thing now and and with your cars especially i've noticed that you like to kind of treat them like a time capsule so you restore them to a specific period of time and um, with a lot of your cars you also manage to to do those restorations with the people that built them in the first place which is pretty incredible it's really incredible yeah so how i mean t- tell us a little bit about like about that about about making hot rods you know making people aware of them in a ways that that maybe they hadn't before sure um when i was growing up in the 40s and 50s um, the hot rodders had a real bad reputation. So, I mean, no, not very many parents wanted you to have a hot rodder hang out with hot sure. rodders. Um, but the truth is, the hot rodders in the 40s and 50s were the real innovators. I mean, you look at a list of the hot rodders and what happened to them and what, you know, mm-hmm. fabulous technology came from hot rodding. It's, it's just mind-blowing. So... Um, I guess in the late 70s, I saw a high boy. I was restoring a Cobra, a big block Cobra, and it wasn't going to be ready in time for the summer. And I saw a little 32 Ford high boy that I liked, and I mm-hmm. thought, you know what? That would be a great summer car. And so a friend of mine owned it, and this was like in January, and I, I said, you know, it was Jim Busby, and Jim Busby's a racer. We've had and, him on the podcast. He's and he's an incredible guy. He's a great very, guy. Oh, drag... I mean, he's everything. He's he's one of my heroes. I love Jim. And so I said, Jim, if you ever go, if you ever sell that car, you let me know. That was like, it was actually a Saturday down at the Rick Cole auction in Newport Beach. So that's how long ago it was. So on Sunday night, he called me and said, where do you want the car? And I'm going, what are you talking about? You know, he said, well, you said you wanted the car. I, I said, well, call me. I mean, let me know if you're ever going to sell it. He said, well, I'm selling it and you're buying it, you know. <laughs> and it was like $15,000. And I thought, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> so I made I and I and I and I hate to be one of those guys to say you know, if they come and say if you ever sell, let me know, and then you say, well, I'm not interested. You know, mm-hmm. so I figured I'm buying it. I then I called a bunch of my friends <clears throat> to see if they had any interest in the hot rod. None of them did. They said, are you kidding me? You know, they were this, they they were that was they were way above hot rodding. So I said, screw it. So I bought the car. And I started driving it, and I got more had more fun driving that car. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, this is way more fun than I ever imagined it would be. Um, it was forbidden by my parents, hot rodding. So now, you know, I'm... <laughs> Obviously, it's makes it even cooler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm in my late 30s, and I'm really getting in the stride. And I started, you know, you know, kind of looking in the history of these cars. And the more I dug, the deeper I got, you know, just the more convinced I was this, these were the real guys. These are my real people, you know, sure. you know, the Ferrari guys, they didn't build their cars or the Mercedes guys, they didn't build their cars, but the hot riders build their cars. So I, I thought, you know, I'm going to see if I can find some of the cars, the old cover cars from Hot Rod Magazine, just see where they, you know, mm-hmm. find out where they were. So that's kind of what started me off with the vintage cars. And the fortunate thing was, um, a lot of these guys were still living. Sure. And, and so when I went, Don Spencer was with us and mm-hmm. Bob McGee was with us and mm-hmm. the Pearson brothers. So I started, you know, looking through magazines. I mean, I went through the entire run of Hot Rod magazines from issue one to 
to the 70s. And I picked out which cars I thought were my most favorite cars. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, kind of thought, and it wasn't, I just thought if I can find those cars, it'd be great fun to get the Pearson brothers to help restore their car, which was really the first one that we did a serious restoration on. Uh, Pete Shaporis did it up in, up in, um, uh, up near Arrowhead at, um, God, all of a sudden, Crestline. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it brought Pete and I together. Uh, who now owns the SoCal Speed Shop. Sure. Mm-hmm. And he'd be a great podcast guy. Oh, yeah. He's, he, he's on he, the list. Good, because he he is just one of the most conversant, fun, whimsical, talented, knowledgeable mm-hmm. guys you'll have on. <clears throat> so we restored the Pearson Brothers Coupe with the Pearson Brothers, and I got such joy. And, and, and those guys were um, really uh, kind of forgotten. Yeah. And it brought them out. And then they made their own show boards. And so we're, they would find out where I was taking the car, and they would go with the car. And it, and all of a sudden, the Pearson brothers were heroes again, which is what they should have been. I sure. mean, they were worthy. And so, I mean, I could go through each one of my cars, but that that's kind of the the way it went. And, and so probably in the 80s, I started going to Lauren Tryon and Jules Hume and the guys who were putting on Pebble Beach. And I said, you know, you should do a historic hot rod display. And they looked at me like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> and they had no interest whatsoever. And they said, over our dead body. Sure. So this went on. And so every every little connection between hot rodding and anybody famous, I would send it to them. Yeah. It's before emails. I and mean, I would pack it up or I'd send them a magazine article about Phil Hill and Hot Roger. Dan Gurney had a chop three, five window coupe. He mm-hmm. went to Bonneville. You know, Bob Bondurant had a hot rod. I mean, so anybody that, that, you know, had had more credibility than me, which was everybody, (laughs) that was famous, I would send them, I would send them little tidbits. You'd go drop it off in the hot rod around the house and just be like, you know, this is. Yeah. Every chance I got, I was, I mean, I, I begged, I, I mean, it was embarrassing. So in, in the, at the end of 96, I got a fax. I still have it today from Lauren Tryon. It was like, Bruce, are you sitting down? It started off just like that. <laughs> Since you're not going to believe it, but for one year only, and so don't get all pumped up, but for one year only, we're going to have historic hot rods. And I want you to help us put this together. And I called Ken Gross, who was a buddy of mine. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, cause he, we'd talked about hot rods and that was it, 97. And we had just finished restoring the Doan Spencer car. And so that, you know, I didn't have the McGee car, I don't think, at that time. Oh, no, I I actually had done, I'm trying to think of which one I had first. Oh, I had the McGee car first, but I hadn't, I hadn't, we hadn't really restored it. We thought we'd take the Doan Spencer car because <clears throat> between those two 32s, mm-hmm. there is nothing new in the world of 32. Those cars have every design cue, whether it's hidden door hinges or a Z frame or 36 dash or Duval windshield or, you know, a bobbed, you know, rear, you know, bulldog front, every, you know, V spreader bar. Those cars have at every design queue. Hmm. And um, so we've shown both of those at Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got a postage stamp. I worked on that, getting the hot rods on a postage stamp. And they picked the McGee car, which was a good choice. Yeah. And, um, Anyways, I've just been a real champion for hot rodding. And, you know, just recently, I was thinking about Phil Hill. 
And for 30 years, I had lunch with him every Friday. Oh, wow. <clears throat> at the Nethercuts. Mm-hmm. It was J.B. Nethercut and Phil Hill, Tony Hansbergen, Tom Pals, Dick Nolan, and myself. Every Friday would have lunch together. Hmm. And Phil, I mean, believe me, I had nothing to add to this group. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a couple of ears sitting at the table because they, they, those guys had done everything. Sure. And they were fabulous. And I remember Phil Hill telling me about his youth growing up in Santa Monica and how his parents forbid him to to mix with this low-life hot rod group. <laughs> the hot rod club in Santa Monica, because each, well, there were roadster clubs because they went out to the dry lakes. Of course. And, and so um, the hot rod club in Santa Monica was called the Low Flyers. And it had a little a roadster, you know, on the plaque. So Phil started talking to us about the low flyers because he knew of my interest in hot run. He said, mm-hmm. Bruce, do you have any idea who is in the low flyers? I said, no. He said, does the name Stu Hillborn mean anything to you? And I go, uh-huh. Hillborn Injection, Jack Engel, Engel Cams, mm-hmm. Travers and Coons, Traco Engines. And the best of all was a man named Phil Remington. Phil Remington is one of the, you know, he, he's another guy that you'd never know he was in the room, <clears throat> but absolutely... To this day, maybe one of the most talented engineers, craftsmen, mm-hmm. and racecraft people that ever walked the earth. And and I'm getting a blank stare from you guys, but I want you to look. <laughs> I'm only kidding. You need to you need to Google Phil Remington. And if you if if you asked Carol Shelby, who was the most important person in his entire race world, in his entire race career, it would be Phil Remington. This man was a genius. He's the one that's responsible for the Ford GTs winning Le Mans. If you go to Dan Gurney to mm-hmm. this day and you ask him, who other than you, Dan, <laughs> was the most important person in your career in, in all American racers, I've never asked him this, but I know what the answer would be. He'd say Phil Remington. Mm-hmm. Phil died five years ago. If you go down to Dan Gurney's shop at All American Racers, they have his tool chest, his workbench. It is a shrine oh, wow. to Phil Remington. He was a low flyer. He was a hot rodder. You know, um, he ran the dry lakes. Mm-hmm. So does Stu Hillborn. These guys built specials these guys were the, were the greatest innovators that ever went down the road they were hot rodders and 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 they are the ones that inspire me to keep on my mission to promote hot riding and letting people know who you know why and where we are today because sure. of hot riding and i would say maybe the most important hot rider of all was phil remington okay yeah it's interesting like it I definitely I think for a long time, hot rodding and, and hot rod culture um, uh, could, uh, I guess it was kind of d- divorced from what it was initially, you know, like it became this thing of, of just sort of like weird sort of lumpy middle-aged guys in Tommy Bahama shirts with neon colored fiberglass, whatever. And yeah, the, you know, it, it, it's definitely started out as this very different, very kind of homebrew um, thing you know, a lot of these guys are were aerospace guys, or you know, getting you know they got out of the military, and it's 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 really interesting to kind of see people acknowledge that now. And obviously, like that's 
in large part you're doing. So thank you. Well, and it's nice for you, Kyle, because I guess what I'm really trying to do <clears throat> is interest young people into the sport. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and 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 believe me, if you ask my son twenty years ago or thirty years, you know, mm-hmm. he's forty. Yeah. You know what he thought about how to raise it was just not for me. But I just want, and now you go and you see the kind of the rat rods. Oh yeah, and you go to the race of gentlemen. Sure. And the, I mean, it's it is a bit of a culture, and you see the purple hair, the red hair, and the tat. Oh yeah, out people. But you know, it, they're a fun group. They enjoy their cars, and and there's a lot of innovation left in there. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it, it's it was it's my generation. I used to look at, I I went to. Grammar school across from the art center school, and I watched these guys drive their hot rods in. And <laughs> oh, I mean, I just dreamt about hot rods. Sure, breathed hot rods. So, you know, I'm doing best I can to expose it the best I can. I know I'll never, you know, make your favorite car a 32, <laughs> but you know, just the fact that you that you know that you asked the question and and you're giving it an honest go. You know, I appreciate that to yeah. both of you guys. Yeah, it's definitely it's different and. and I guess the Peterson Museum, for me personally, has been kind of a, a really interesting sort of foot in the door for that stuff. Um, because, I mean, I grew up around vintage racing and European cars and, and that kind of stuff. And that's where my interest lies. I mean, that's still kind of primarily what I'm I'm into. And by the way, I like that a lot, too. Well, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to your garage. I've I'm seen just it. Kidding. It's I know. No, I just love uh, Yeah, I'm just playing yeah. with you. But, but yeah, like seeing that, like, you know, and, and, and seeing... Some of the the really interesting, you know, the stuff that people have built, the um, old Yaller, I think was a really good example. Oh, God, perfect. Like seeing that, like that's such an interesting, like it, it's it's kind of straddles that line for me where it's this, it's very American kind of homebrewed, like put together. Totally. Know, sweat of the brow. But then it also is like, oh, this this is it goes around corners and it does all this, you know, all the things that, that I would like a car to do. You know, and it's 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 nice. One hundred percent, and that's a, and that's a hot rod. Mm-hmm, exactly. Duffy Livingston had a car that was a roadster. He invented the go kart, mm-hmm. and I mean that car stayed right with the Maseratis and the Ferraris of the day. Sure. And and um, so these cars are great, and also um, the Cobra mm-hmm. built in Dean Moon's shop. That's a full oh, hot rod shop. That wasn't oh, yeah. a sports car shop. It was a hot rod shop. So and Shelby was a hot rider. So definitely, you know, it is our it is our history. And like some guys, like uh, I've never had brass cars, mm-hmm. um, but it's probably something that intrigues me. So I kind of relating to brass cars, maybe the way you relate a little bit to hot rod. I mean, yeah, you appreciate him. Um, but um, I don't know where I'm going with that, except that. You know, you kind of stick with the generation that you know you can kind of relate to. Of course, it yeah, thrills you. Yeah, definitely. Well, Bruce, we really appreciate you taking the time to to come down here to the the basement. The vault. And, uh, no, it's it called the lower call. level, please. Oh, sure, the lower level of the Peterson Automotive <laughs> Museum, <Lower level. laughs> uh, and 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 have a chat with us. You know, we know you're a busy guy, but uh, it's really fantastic to to kind of pick your brain and and uh, and get a, a better idea of of who you are as this kind of you know huge figure in the in the automotive world. So, well, I I am enjoying every minute of this. And I love the hobby, and I love the fact that you guys take the time to do this. And uh, you know, it's 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 what it's all about for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just hope your listeners. Are there any out there? 
Well, we've, there's a couple, and now we, it's, it's Carl's mum mainly, but we've also managed to indoctrinate my parents too. So oh, it's, right. we, we're we, growing. We now have two two listeners in Western Australia. Yes, yeah, so it's a it's a global podcast. We could say now. So we, we like to think that we're spanning oceans and continents. So I love it. Well, yeah. No, it's a pleasure, and and I love the fact that we're promoting the Peterson. That means a lot too. You know, yeah. we hope to everybody hope everybody comes and enjoys the place. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty incredible space. And Fantastic. If, if you're, if you're not from Los Angeles and you find yourself in Los Angeles, which you should, because frankly, Los Angeles is one of the best places in America or the world. Uh, and if you disagree, you're wrong. Uh, you should definitely come by the Peterson. There's, there's always going to be some stuff here that's going to surprise you. you always never... surprises. It surprises me every week when I come in with yeah. the changes. Yeah, I'm, I'm here all the time and there's stuff that just shows yeah, up. And, and you're I'm like, well, I didn't that? realize that was there. I think we were just out in the vault and, and they were trying to get um, like a 1930s police Harley Davidson fired up. And I was like, when did that show up? <laughs> like, yeah, fun. Yeah. So anyway. So keep on coming. All your listeners, please do. Definitely. And I hope I see them and meet them on the road. Sure. I hope we get a couple of them in uh, CF200 jackets. Yeah. Yeah, or even some of the... If, the you, if, you, if you're listening to this and you want to join, let us know that you heard it on the podcast. Sure. Sounds good to us. Yep. James and I get a... No, we're just kidding. No, we don't. We don't. We don't. <laughs> it's a nonprofit organization, people. Get real. Anyway. <laughs> thanks thanks so much, Bruce. Really Thank appreciate it. Uh, it's been if, a real pleasure. Yeah. And if you guys enjoy this and, and our other podcasts, make sure you're going on iTunes and uh, throw us a like or a, a review. review or rating. Yeah. Uh, check us out on social media. And We're on... Tell our friends. Tell your friends. Tell everybody's friends. How do I listen to something like this? Well, yeah. Well, you have a smartphone. I can see. Yep. That's the first step. It's important. And uh, you go on iTunes. And you search, go in their podcast directory in the store, and you throw in car stories. And it'll come right up to us. Yeah. Okay, great. Nice yeah. and easy. So you go on to, to, you know, to my iPhone, mm-hmm. and I go to podcast. Yep, you go, to the, you go to the iTunes app, and then you go to podcasts, and then you search car stories. Okay, great. Yeah. Easy as that. It's, it's not bad. No, I think it's all good. There's a few steps in there, but, you know. We'll give you a tutorial offline. Sure. Can't find that one, Bruce. Yeah. Make it work. Well, thank you guys so yeah. much. Appreciate you. your enthusiasm. No, no, we really enjoy it. And uh, definitely check uh, the Peterson out on social media. Facebook.com slash Peterson Museum. Instagram.com slash Peterson Museum. Uh, we're not throwing any curveballs at you here. So, uh, yeah, thank you. And, and, and uh, stay tuned for more car stories. Bye. Bye. Bye.